What's up, guys? Welcome back to All Good Points. It's your host, as always, Ricky Gray Jr. And this week, I'm taking on the NFC North and the NFC South, two powerhouse divisions in the NFC Conference. So it's time for me to break down all of these teams and make some record predictions. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And now, let's start the show. Alright guys, so welcome back to this week's episode. Last week, I was working on a new mic, so I was trying to figure out some of the audio stuff. Hopefully this week I've got it all dialed in and sounding really pretty for you. I appreciate you listening to last week's episode, but this week, we're going to talk about the NFC North first, okay? Now this is a division that is very, very close to home for me, but it also has quite the competition going for number one. The Bears took the throne last year, boasting their first division title since 2010. So what can we expect from the Bears this year? They have additions like Cordero Patterson, um, former Minnesota Viking, former Raider, former Patriot. Cordero is going around like a lot of places right now. It's kind of crazy to see because he's bouncing around between a lot of places in a short amount of time. Um, But that really does open up the special teams for them. Uh, They still have one of the best defensive fronts in the league. Uh, Hakeem Nix, or Akeem Nix, um, Khalil Mack, uh, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith. The secondary isn't awful. Um, Kyle Fuller, I still think, is the weak spot there. Some people don't like me for saying that, but I do think that Kyle Fuller is the weak spot. I'm sorry. Deal with it. Um, Offense isn't necessarily a whole lot to talk about, but if you think about the people that the Bears were able to beat last year, it kind of puts their offense in like a, a different perspective. Like, yeah, maybe it isn't the most flashy offense in the world, right? But it gets the job done. It wins games. And when the offense isn't playing great, they have that defense to rely on. They kind of mimic, I don't want to say mimic, but mimic uh, the way that Minnesota was playing for a while, where it was like the defense was the linchpin, right? The defense was the doing all of the heavy lifting. Um, But at the same time, now, it kind of seems like maybe Chicago, even though it doesn't have a very pretty offense or a very uh, showboaty offense or a very high-powered offense, some of the pieces are coming together. You know, Mitchell Trubisky's kind of coming into his own as a quarterback. He's looking and he's playing good. Matt Nagy, I think, is a great coach. As far as the NFC North coaches go, I think Matt Nagy is up there, if not the best coach in that division. I do like Matt Patricia, right? I do like Mike Zimmer. Um... I didn't like McCarthy when he was in Green Bay, and I don't really like LaFleur either, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, But I do think that there's some things that the Bears do well, right? The Bears put a ton of pressure on whoever they're facing. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. The Bears can put tons and tons of pressure on whoever they're going up against. That defensive front is nasty, okay? It's a mean, nasty defensive front, uh, but you need that in this league. You need that defensive front to be strong. Last year, they had Jordan Howard doing a lot of the running. I kind of think that maybe they're going to mix it up a little bit. Maybe maybe CP84, I don't know if he's going to do 84 this year. I haven't seen it yet. But if he's going to be uh, if he's gonna be playing with them and doing some special teams work, maybe he gets a, uh, some running back work, kind of like the Ty Montgomery situation uh, how, when he was in Green Bay. Um, so you see those kind of things, and there's a lot to there's a lot to like about the Bears, you know, defensively. I think still, from a fantasy aspect, defensively the bears have the best defense like one of the best defenses uh especially when it comes to that front line so if you're looking for a strong front line a a team that doesn't really allow a whole lot of running yards against them let's just be honest here they have one of the best run defenses in the league 
So if you're looking for that kind of deal, that's kind of like your first draft pick as far as defenses and special teams go. Like you're going to be looking for the Bears. Uh, Some people are still saying the Eagles. I don't really think the Eagles anymore. I'd say Bears, um, Rams, still a really, really good uh, defense. Except like there's things about the Rams that I don't like, but I'll get into them when I'm talking about the other two divisions. Anyways, as far as Chicago goes, I do think that they have a pretty tough schedule this year, right? Um, They have games against the Chiefs, the Rams, the Eagles, the Saints. Those are tough games, man. Those are really tough games. Not to mention they have to play Minnesota twice a year, have to play Green Bay twice a year. But that's kind of where I get into this little point, right? If Minnesota continues to struggle on the offensive line and Green Bay cannot capitalize on any of the time that they have left with Aaron Rodgers, which we're going to talk about in a second... But if they can't capitalize on that, then Chicago is probably in for another pretty good run. All right. Um, as far as I see it, they got a tough schedule going forward. It's going to it's going to be a hard season for them. I'm thinking if if they fall, if they slip up, they could easily end up at nine and seven and be like third in the division, maybe even second, depending on how Green Bay and Minnesota do. But I don't I don't really see. I don't really see them being able to get past that schedule and then the other two teams not being able to capitalize. Uh, Moving on to another NFC North team is Detroit, okay? It's no secret that Matt Patricia is going to year two with a chip on his shoulder. Matthew Stafford's got to be tired of losing, but can Detroit change the culture this year and make a push for the division division title? Uh, The short answer is no. Uh, Even with a strong receiving core like they have now because they have Marvin Jones, Jr., um, Danny Amendola, uh, Kenny Galladay. Detroit has a while to go before they start competing with the rest of that division, right? Because that division is tough. Um, it's a really, really nasty division that requires a lot of defensive talent, like a lot of defensive skill and defensive talent. It's It's not an easy task to... I would say it's not an easy task to go along along that route of trying to have a a high-powered offense and matching that high-powered offense with a strong defense. They just don't really have it. Um, What I will say is that Matthew Stafford is probably the toughest, the way I see him is one of the toughest quarterbacks in the league. Uh, He can take a lot of hits and keep on trucking. Matt Patricia, I do think, is a really good coach. I do think that there's some positives going forward for Detroit, but I don't think that it's any time soon that we see any kind of revamped Detroit or anything like that. Um, it's going to be a while before Detroit starts to look good. Uh, carry on. Martin is a good, good running back. Uh, he's got a lot of promise, but as of right now, I don't see Detroit doing much of anything. This is another season where I would be like, yeah, you know what? Like five and eleven wouldn't surprise me, or four and twelve, four and twelve wouldn't surprise me. You know, like that's and it and it sucks to say because the North as a whole is a very competitive division with the teams that are in it. You know, between Chicago, Minnesota, and Green Bay, Detroit has just kind of been kind of on the outskirts and not it hasn't been looking that good. Like let's just be fair with Detroit; they haven't been looking that good. Um, but a team that was looking pretty awful last year is Green Bay. So let's talk about them. Now, Green Bay is an interesting team to say the least, but they have been struggling for the last couple of years. They did, however, fire Mike McCarthy, hired Matt LaFleur, no correlation to Peter LaFleur. Uh, that's a dodgeball reference for all of my dodge duck dip dive and dodge fans out there. But Aaron's pretty healthy right now. That's another, that's another pretty good thing too. 
Uh, so what can we expect from Green Bay this year, right? They don't have a horrible secondary. They've got Jair, Jair Alexander. That's a hard name to say, okay? Jair Alexander. They have him. They also have Adrian Amos, former Bear, right? Uh, on the offensive side, they got Devontae Adams, uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Jimmy Graham, solid, pretty solid receiving core, right? Um, they've got that other guy too, Saint, Saint something. I can't remember what his last name is, but he's actually pretty good too. Um, more importantly, Aaron Rodgers is pretty healthy, okay? That's, that is the most, and when I say the most you can ask for, that is the most you can ask for as a Green Bay Packer fan, right? If he's, if he's healthy, you're probably going to be okay, okay? You're probably going to do all right. Now, let me talk about some cons really quick, okay? First con, that frontline defense is pretty damn lackluster, right? And I'm, I'm saying that objectively, but I'm saying that in the perspective of what does the rest of that, um, what does the rest of that division look like on the front line, right? Okay, so let's just break that down really quick. For, um, Chicago, you have Akeem Nix, um, you have Akeem Nix, Leonard Floyd, uh, Khalil Mack, right? Um, for Minnesota, you've got Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Daniil Hunter, for Detroit, this is stretching my knowledge a little bit, but for Detroit, you've got Ziggy Ansa. I think Ziggy's still there. I hope he is. If he if he isn't, don't call me out on it. You know what I mean? Don't at me at Twitter or anything like that. At Ricky Gray, please at me at Twitter. But anyways, um, <laughs> the the rest of those lines look pretty good and they're pretty solid, right? The only the only thing that's kind of shining about the defensive line for Green Bay is Mike Daniels. You know what I mean? Like that's the shining spot. And that's saying a lot. You know, that's that's saying a lot about what that front line is like. Now the other con is Aaron's longevity through the season. He's always he's already dealing with the tightness in his back, right? Like this is getting we're getting into old man Rogers area here. Okay. This isn't this isn't like Tom. Like Tom has had this kind of revamped, like I'm ready to go kind of attitude. And I don't really give a fuck what Tom's on. Like bullshit or not aside, okay? If you want to talk about, oh well, you know, Tom is he's old and he's probably taking this, that, and the other thing, fuck it, man. Fuck it. You know what I mean? If if it gives him some longevity to where he can play at the top of his game, yeah, when you get older, you probably should be able to take some testosterone stuff. Like, I mean, the dude's 40, right? Like, and Aaron has been through so many injuries. Crucial, crucial fucking injuries, right? This dude's body is broken down. So it's hard to say that he's going to last through the entire season. Do you really think he is? No. There's If he gets hit... Another time like Anthony hit him, or even how he got hit in that first game against the Bears last year and his back got messed up, there's so many variables when it comes to Aaron Rodgers now because his body just is not good. Now, now what is, what's the Packers' backup plan for Aaron Rodgers? There isn't one, right? Now, another thing about Aaron Rodgers is that there's this little Rodgers versus LaFleur thing going on. It's a very young coach versus a veteran quarterback. Now, I'm just going to paint a parallel for you guys really here, really quick here. First off, the way I see Aaron Rodgers is like the way I see LeBron James. LeBron James does not really care about his coaches, okay? doesn't He does not care about his coaches. Tom Brady is a little bit more like Kobe Bryant, right? It's still a great player, right? But super, super respects his coach. We have seen... Um, We've seen LeBron James get uh, Tyron Lue fired, right? 
got Luke Walton fired, right? And it's kind of the same way with Rodgers. Like, Rodgers, if it was up to him, he'd be the coach of the team, too. And that's not to say that he wouldn't be a better coach than these guys, but it's also like he doesn't necessarily listen to what's getting fed to him if it's coming from somebody that he doesn't really respect. And I don't want to say that that's already happening with him and Lafleur, but at the same time, guys, just look at the signs, right? Look at the signs of how he talks about the way that they're practicing or, you know, how him and Lafleur communicate or kind of the standoffish or passive aggressiveness they have towards each other each other those are the things to keep in mind when you're thinking about you know let's just say from the fantasy side if you're thinking about drafting Aaron Rodgers the one thing you have to ask your or ask yourself yeah the one thing you have to ask yourself is do I think that this guy can last the whole year and stay healthy the whole year if the answer is no then don't draft him right it's the same way of drafting like Andrew Luck did Andrew Luck look good stat wise fuck yeah but do you know that he's going to be okay through the entire year? Fuck no. There's no there's no way you will know that. Absolutely not. But if you had somebody like Patrick Mahomes, there the likelihood of him staying healthy the entire year goes way up versus somebody like Rodgers, where you know every time he gets hit, you're going to be clenching your butthole, hoping that he doesn't get something broken, right? That's the reality of it, okay? As far as their schedule goes, and this is a pro, it's a pretty easy schedule. It's there's not a whole lot to write home about when it comes to their schedule. Honestly, it's not that it's not that hard. Um, if Rogers stays healthy, you could see a nine and seven team. If Rogers does not stay healthy, right, you could end up seeing like a four and twelve team, or a four eleven and one team, or whatever. Like you, you could see so many bad situations play out if Rogers doesn't stay healthy. Now, I think the real question for the Packers is. If Aaron goes down again, if Aaron gets hurt again, right? When do you move on from Aaron or does Aaron retire if he gets hurt again and he has to miss another season? He has to start thinking about his health, right? And Green Bay has to start thinking long-term. You know, they can't play this week-by-week game anymore of trying to figure out whether or not Aaron's going to be back or if he's going to be hurt or whatever, Now, I understand that maybe that's hard for some Green Bay Packer fans to hear. But at the same time, you guys have rode this dude until his body has just, it's got nothing left now. He's got nothing left to give. There's barely anything in the tank. So he might have to move on if you guys can't protect him to where he can be the quarterback that we all know he is. Because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? But he he needs to be in top physical condition and he has to be protected all year. So that's what I'll say about Green Bay. Uh, Moving on to, you know, the land of 10,000 lakes. Minnesota was riding a high a couple years ago when they beat the Saints on a play that will forever be known as the Minneapolis Miracle. So what are the chances of them bringing back some some more magic after finishing 8-7-1 last year? Short answer. It all depends on the offensive line. You know, injuries and sloppy line play have plagued the Vikings for years. And you pair that with the insane decision to pay a quarterback $84 million that has never won a playoff game. Not to mention, he is 5-13 in primetime, 4-24 against teams with a winning record, and 0-7, or 0-7, on Monday night. But to be fair, right, it's not his fault. So what's in store for Minneapolis this year? First things first, they spent more time on their, or uh, spent more money and time on their offensive line this year with Bradbury at center, F line at guard, and Josh Klein. Those are, you know, moving F line over to guard. 
uh, getting drafting Bradbury, putting him at center, and then bringing in Josh Klein. I like it. I like it. I like the moves. I like that we're tweaking the offensive line to where it works best. I like that. Okay, I can respect that. Um, still have one of the best defenses in the league. That's not going anywhere. Okay, that's Zimmer's linchpin. Zimmer's linchpin is defense. That's why he's been around as long as he's been around. He wouldn't be. He wouldn't have been around for as long as he's been around if he was bad at defense. Okay, he's a great defensive mind. Super, super smart. Um, I love everything about Zimmer. Like there's, there's honestly, there's so many things that I love about Zimmer and it's kind of hard for me to kind of like shit on him occasionally, but there's some things that he does. Like right now, his thing with Kyle Slaughter is like, oh, well we need him to be more consistent and blah, blah, blah. Dude, are you really going to tell me that you think a better option at QB2 is Sean Mannion? Really? You can look yourself in the mirror and say that that's a better option. That's Nathan Peterman. That's all that is. That's 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 all Sean Mannion is. Put put Kyle Slaughter in there. Let him do his thing. Let him just be a kid. You know what I mean? Let him work behind Kirk. Maybe that's your future quarterback and you don't even know it. But let's not take his legs out from underneath him already, right? Okay, so moving on. Um, running back by committee with this team is really an idea that I'm getting into, right? Dalvin Cook, Mike Boone, uh, and Madison. Now, I would do it in that order. Cook being first, Boone being second, Madison being like last option, or maybe even goal line option or something like that. Um, because I really like the way that Mike Boone runs. This is the kind of thing where it's like if Dalvin goes down again, it's like say Dalvin starts missing games all over again, Mike Boone is going to be a hot fucking ticket if you can corral him as being like on that start. Like if he gets to be starting lineup. Because he's got a lot of talent, a lot of skill, and a lot of fucking speed. So I really like Mike Boone. Alexander Madison, I think he's a good running back, right? I think he's a good, smart running back. But I think if it was between those two, over time, Mike Boone would see a lot more carries than Alexander Madison would. Anyways, moving on. The amazing one-two punch in receiving, right? Amazing. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs. The best duo that you will ever see coming out of the north right now like they are it's amazing to watch those two play together because you cannot shut both of them down you just can't right and and what is it with adam thielen always making the saints look like shit like he always shits on the saints i don't i don't know why like he had that one where he caught the ball behind the guy's head last year uh this year in the preseason Catches an older over the shoulder pass where he has to like contort his body backwards for Adam Thielen is just a great fucking wide receiver. I love that guy. Um, it's it's amazing, right? It's a, it's a great team, but there's so many questions there. There's questions as far as running goes. There's questions as far as offensive lines go. So I can't. I have to be objective, right? I can't be biased. That's the thing that I preach to you guys all the time: is you're not going to get any bullshit. You're not going to get any bullshit with me. Um. So at best, right, at best, Minnesota goes 12-4 and four and they take the NFC North and they go into the playoffs. Now, beyond that, I don't really know what Minnesota's going to do because Kirk in primetime and Kirk against winning teams, just not that great, okay? And like I said, it's not all of his fault, but it's partially his fault. Um, at worst, I could see them having a 10-6 season and still winning the North. But that is depending on what those other teams do, because there is a chance that Green Bay could go 10 and 6, right? There's also a chance that 
Chicago could have a, a good season and pick up a game or two and go 10 and 6. That's the thing about the NFC North, right? It's one of the toughest divisions because all of the teams are, well, three of the teams. Before it used to be all four of the teams were really good, but now it's three of the teams are really good fucking teams, you know? And you can't you can't put it to being like, oh, well, this team will just run out in front of everybody and, and beat everybody and have the best record and, and take the title. You can't say that. Not anymore. Green Bay is a solid team when Aaron, when Aaron Rodgers is healthy. Chicago is really one of the better defenses in the in the league let alone the division it's one of the best uh, one of the best defenses in the league and their offense is starting to match you know because they've come up with kind of like these little gimmick things to score them some extra points so there's there's promise in chicago uh me being a minnesota boy not from minnesota but i love minnesota um i always see the bright side of what the vikings can be um, but I also can understand the things that have plagued them for years, and it's been kicking an offensive line. They did sign that new punter slash kicker guy uh, that's got a got a pretty solid leg on him, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But that's neither here nor there. Let's take a quick break, thank some uh, thank some sponsors, and make some announcements, and we're gonna return with the NFC South. All right, so now it's time to hit this NFC South, okay? A division that boasts a couple of high-powered offenses, right? Starting first, the Saints. The Saints took the title last year with a 13-3 record, but lost to the Rams in overtime of the NFC Championship game. So, can the Saints go the distance this year? They did pick up Latavius Murray, which I like, okay? It's a pretty good upgrade and a good kind of a good kind of tandem at running back between Alvin Kamara and Tay Train. I like it. You know what I mean? Like this, that's a solid one-two punch right there. Okay. Kamara's a great receiving back. Drew is still playing stellar. Okay. He's playing crazy, crazy good. Defense isn't horrible, right? Adam Thielen makes them look bad. I already said that, but they do have Marshawn Lattimore on one side, Eli Apple on the other. Pretty solid, right? I've seen worse secondaries. Pretty complimentary schedule too, if I might add. So there's a chance that the Saints could go 13-3 and all over again. Or, at best, or at worst, um, maybe somewhere around 12-4, and 11-5. and Still, Saints are probably going right back to the playoffs this year, right? And if we can talk about consistency for a second when we're talking about the Saints, the Saints have been good for a long time, if you think about it, right? The Drew Brees era of the Saints is, is actually pretty positive. Now, I know that I harp on the Saints a lot when it comes, you know, crunch time. That's not because of Drew, right? It's not because of Drew or anybody else that's on the team. It's because their coach, Sean Payton. I'm just not a big fan of uh, what happened in 2009, but I won't, you know, go over that too much. I talk about it a lot. But as far as Drew and the rest of the team goes, that's a solid team, man. That's a really solid team. If you're looking fantasy-wise, Latavius Murray is still a pretty good addition to have as maybe like a third maybe like a third string running back like if or if you can get him late like if you can get him late in the draft that's a pretty good option you know because he is going to still be sharing some carries with Alvin Kamara like that's going to happen you know Mark Ingram was getting a pretty heavy load too he was a pretty good fantasy option when he was playing at the Saints um so that's that's still there you know that's that's still an option Drew is still one of the best you know fantasy quarterbacks to get that's still to this day Drew Brees is he is dynamite when it comes to fantasy time, him and Phillip Rivers, great options at, at quarterback. You know, that's those are two great quarterbacks stat-wise. When you think of it like stat-wise, 
maybe they don't win, you know, the big games because we're not talking about like Super Bowl and things like that. But if we're talking about like, you know, games when it comes to, you know, fantasy, uh, fantasy ball through the season, those are two really great quarterbacks to have. And Drew has been a general for a long time. He's a great quarterback. I love the way he plays, even though he's a small dude. And I think that's great. You know what I mean? That, that's that's great when you see that. Uh, defense and special team side, I, I wouldn't take them as a defense and special teams, even though there's like some there's some shining spots there. But there's a couple of teams that even though that they have like they have a slightly good defense and special teams. I don't like it because they get into shootouts with people and Drew Brees and the Saints kind of have a habit of getting into shootouts with people. And any time that your defense and special teams gives up anywhere around 24 to 26 points a game, yeah, that's you're you're getting into breaking even territory regardless of what they do on the opposite side of the ball. You know what I mean? So I kind of steer away from the Saints unless it's like a waiver wire pickup. Sometimes I'll do that just because I'm an asshole and I like to get like a one up if they're playing somebody shitty. Like if they're playing somebody really shitty, pick up up the Saints defense and special teams if nobody has them on the waiver wire and you can win a game off of that because that's like an extra 12. You know, you could get like an extra 12 off of them if they're playing somebody that's shit. Um, But yeah, so there's some there's some positives to the Saints this year. Do I think that they can go the distance and get to the Super Bowl this year? Well, the idea would be that they they would have to be able to get past some of the heavy hitters, right? So they'd have to be able to get past people like the Rams. Um, And if Minnesota is on a tear this year, they're going to have to get past Minnesota, which is something that seems like it's pretty hard for the Saints to do. So you have to take that into account. Um, there's maybe some other shining spots that might come out of the, at the, uh, NFC this year. You're going to have to see what happens with the Cowboys and the Zeke situation, right? That's something that's still there. You're going to have to figure out whether or not the Eagles are going to be good this year with Carson Wentz at the helm. We don't know, you know, we'll go over them next week when we talk about the NFC East and the NFC West, but there's, there's options there for the Saints, but they are probably the shining spot in the, in that conference, right? Uh, speaking about a team that, you know, kind of has gone from from glory to you know dust to nobodies to somebodies is Carolina man Carolina went seven and nine last year um and for a team with a lot of talent they seem to struggle quite a bit so how do they fare this year right um Ron Rivera man is he kind of on the hot seat at this point like Personally, I feel like he has to be. I feel like Ron Rivera has to be on the hot seat. You've got a lot of talent there. Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton. You got some good talent on the opposite side of the ball. You don't have crap players, you know, Greg Olson. You've got some pieces there to make some magic, right? 2015, you went to the Super Bowl, right? You you lost, but you went to the Super Bowl, you know, and that's that's only four years ago. That's not very long ago. And it's a lot of the same players that were there that are that are there now. You know, uh, there's been some positives that positive additions. You know, Christian McCaffrey being being the one. You know, being one of them. Um, so yeah, you know, 2015 they go to the Super Bowl, but in 2018 they they lose to Tampa Bay, Washington, and Detroit. Tampa, Washington, Detroit. I mean, come on, like that's got to be hot seat territory, right? Like I. I'm not crazy when I say that that's got to be hot seat territory. You can't lose to those teams and think that your job is still safe, you know? Um, so yeah, uh, as far as, as far as Carolina goes, man, I don't see, I don't see a whole lot of positive things happening for them this year. So I'm saying six and 10, dude, I'm saying six and 10. I'm saying that they have another lackluster year. Uh, speaking of lackluster, let's talk about the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. 
man, Atlanta is interesting, right? Because you feel like Atlanta would be like this dynamite team, right? With people like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, like so many good players. Devontae Freeman, you know, they've got they've got some dynamite people there, right? But last year, last year, they go seven and nine, right? Seven and nine. Lackluster, right? It's just bad. It's just not even it's not even good at this point for Atlanta. Now, if I'm t- if I'm talking fantasy aspects, which I didn't talk about when it came to Carolina, Christian McCaffrey, Cam Newton, those are those aren't bad options when it comes to them. Um, but as far as Atlanta goes, you know, you got Matt, you got Matty Ice. He's a great quarterback, right? You got Julio Jones, great wide receiver. Is it coaching? Is it offensive schemes? Is it defense? There's a mixture of things that go wrong with Atlanta, right? Atlanta's first game this year is against Minnesota in Minnesota. I'm going to that game. I'm going to the season opener. Now, of course, me being me, I see Minnesota winning. Like, that that doesn't have to do anything with me being a Minnesota fan. It's just Minnesota is better at home. And to start the season off having to play a defense like that, I don't think is good for Atlanta. But then they have to follow it up by playing Philadelphia, another hard defense to play, okay? And then... They go to Indianapolis and have to play Andrew Luck. Okay? This isn't this isn't good. This is this is bad for the first five games, right? So so after that, they get to play Tennessee at home, but that's Tennessee. You're still gonna have to play against Marcus Mariota and the rest of those guys. And you tell me who on, on Atlanta's defense is gonna stop Derrick Henry. The answer is nobody. Okay? So whatever. And then they have to head to Houston and play Houston, okay? That's another great defense, high-powered offense. Crazy high-powered offense. DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Deshaun Watson, high-powered offense, okay? So that's another that's another L. So in theory, right, just from the first five games that I named, do you see Atlanta beating any one of those teams? If you do, at me on Twitter, okay? Tell me who you think that they'll beat out of those first five, okay? I understand. The appeal of the statistic side of Atlanta is, wow, those guys are really good. And yes, they all individually are very good, but they've been very bad recently, okay? So then they get a break with Arizona, all right? That's a break. But then they have to play the Rams and then Seattle before they get to a bye week. Now, I don't want to say that Atlanta could end up going 1-7 and in their first eight games, but if you look at that schedule and you tell me that they have a chance of, if, if you're going to say they have a chance of beating anybody, it'd be Philadelphia, right? I'd even give you, I'd even give you Minnesota, right? So at best three and four by their bye week or uh, uh, three and five by their bye week. And in reality, I don't really see them beating Minnesota or Philadelphia. So they could easily end up going one and seven by their bye week, but then they have to follow it up by heading to New Orleans in week 10. Then Carolina, maybe they get one over on Carolina and Tampa Bay, right? But then they have to play New Orleans again. It's a it, This is a bad schedule for them this year, right? So right from the beginning, the best I will give, the best I will give Atlanta is a 9-7 and seven year, okay? That's the best. The worst, this is, this is going to hurt for some of, the, some of you uh, Atlanta fans out there. The worst, I could see them having a 5-11 and 11 year. All right. I don't want to say it. I don't like to say it, but 
man, that schedule is nasty for them to deal with when they are just not clicking. And they haven't been clicking for a while, right? I'm not, it's not like I'm pulling this this out of my, I don't want to say ass because that's kind of like rude, but I, I'm not pulling this out of my ass, right? Like it's, that's what their schedule is. This schedule is sucky for them and they haven't been clicking for a long time. Um, speaking of teams that haven't been clicking for a long time, let's talk about Tampa Bay, right? Because that's, that's another team, right? That's another team in that division that is just, lackluster okay they went five and eleven last year um and if and if i'm gonna be honest there's not much to talk about when it comes to tampa bay okay they decided to stick with james winston as a quarterback i'm not mad at that i'm not mad at that at all that's not a bad idea i think you should i think they should stick with somebody and i'm happy that they did but the rest of that team no okay no if we're going to talk about you know from the Let's, let's go from the fantasy side of it. Mike Evans is a great wide receiver to have on your fantasy team, okay? Um, but man, it's... Uh, the, I, Tampa Bay is just... It's very, very hard to pick any shining spots out, okay? Let's just take a quick look at their schedule. They have to play Jimmy G uh, and San Francisco first. Then they head to Carolina. And then they play New York. And moving on to Los Angeles, New Orleans, and Carolina again. Okay, bad, bad first first six games. Okay, you could see, I could see, you know, maybe they get one on Carolina. Um, I don't think they would get the one on San Francisco. I don't think that they're going to win their opener. And I'd say one on New York, right? Uh, so that puts them at two and four. And then after they come uh, from the bye week, they have to play Tennessee and Seattle. Right after that, that's two L's right there. Okay. And they move on to play Arizona, and they're playing New Orleans, okay? So New Orleans, Atlanta, they're probably taking L's there. Jacksonville, I don't see them beating Jacksonville, and Jacksonville is not even that good. So losing to Jacksonville, losing to Indianapolis, they'll probably lose to Detroit. They're probably going to lose to Houston, more than likely lose to Houston, more than likely lose to Atlanta. Uh, so I could see, this is and this is just realistic, okay? I could see them getting a win over New York, one win against Seattle, a win against Arizona, so I'm at three, and that's about it. So my prediction for the for Tampa Bay is three and thirteen. I know it sounds fucked up. I know it sounds like I'm being an asshole to those teams, but man, Atlanta and Tampa Bay are just honestly, honestly weak. Those are weak teams. Uh yeah, so thanks guys for listening to this episode. Remember to rate and review all good points on your favorite podcast platform. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, and I will see you guys next week when I'm going to be bringing, bringing, okay, I'll get the word right. I'm going to be bringing either both of my brothers or one of my brothers over to do the NFC East and NFC West episode. So get ready, get hyped for that, and let's just get hyped for football, guys, all right? You guys have a wonderful weekend. I will see you next time.